0: You're listening to our radio
1: podcast.
0: Welcome to Sekina Society. Towards Tranquility in an age of turbulence.
1: Asalaamu Alaikum, thanks for joining us for Sakina Society. I'm your host Abdul Wadood and co-hosting with me is Zina Asif. Today we are discussing mental health and well-being and the format of today's show is a discussion about how to better understand the current climate, the current situation for mental health for Scottish Muslims and how we as individuals and as a community can help better the situation that we face. So to discuss this uh, discuss this issue, we have with us Walid Ahmed, a clinical psychiatrist who has a speciality with working with young people, and we also have Shabir Bandi from Reach Community Health, which which offers mental health services for the ethnic minority community in Greater Glasgow. Finally, we have Karim Mitta who is conducting research on on mental health in Muslims khair, everybody for coming on today's show um
0: I think we'd like to start with what's the understanding of mental health so believe you're a consultant for both forensic and adolescent psychiatry what are the ch- what is so what, what would you describe mental health and what are the challenges facing the youth uh,
2: Assalamualaikum. um I suppose mental health like physical health um it's, uh, as defined by the World Health organization it's not mm-hmm. simply an absence of uh disorder. It's actually more to do with uh, emotional well being, positive 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 outlook and just general well being of, of an individual. So Similarly, in a mental health, apart from saying, oh, I've got no depression or "not have," I don't have any kind of disorder, I think it's important to stress that good mental health means having resilience, having a positive outlook, mm-hmm. having coping strategies that get you through life, through stresses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we, we've all faced through stresses and, and, and I think our abilities to cope with stresses, to deal with uh, what life throws onto you is different. And I think... Um, good mental health kind of encapsulates everything there's a small subset obviously is about mental illness and disorders mm-hmm. which you know require great attention uh, but they are a minority thankfully but uh but what we need to probably focus on is preventative measures that we don't get to that stage of uh having you know disorders and illnesses mm-hmm. because we've gone there we've you know we've, we have catered to the nation catered the community uh, in a way that's supportive nourishing and 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 children especially uh, need that uh, very important support to to build those kind of skills because their brains are still developing and and mm-hmm. and by the time they're adults uh, they need to be uh, in, a, in a position to deal with that so good mental health kind of encapsulates everything uh, but i think you know illnesses and disorders that are a small minority
1: i guess people also mix up mental health problems with spiritual things or things like gin possessions can you comment on that lead
2: yes and i think uh, gin possessions you know if you want to get a good audience to uh, an event you know you need to have a gin possession conference and you have Lots of people turning up. And I think, mm. you know, I don't want to trivialise or minimise the kind of Islamic concept of jinn possessions and things like that, but I think, you know, the harm that can cause by the greater attention that su- that subject gets to uh, mental illness and mental disorders being treated in the right way, mm. you know, the barriers that it causes, I think I have kind of a strong opinion and I'm ready to throw some, some something at someone <laughs> if, if someone mentions that, but you know, in all, majority of uh, cases need to be uh, dealt with by family and friends and professionals and then, you know, a very specialists if, if they are very, uh, kind of, uh, in the kind of extreme uh, mm-hmm. uh, end of the spectrum.
1: I see. Mm-hmm. Mr. Bundy, during my research I came across a report published by Reach Community Health. In this report, some of the factors leading to mental health issues for South Asian women specifically included family and their role as women. What message do you have for listeners who may be suffering or know someone that is suffering with regards to this?
3: Yeah, I think it's um, only Thanks for um, bringing me on the show and obviously at Reach. Um, like what you just referred really, mental health is much just more than one thing, um, and the important thing is about the well-being as a whole of person. Now, the research that we took undertook really about the mental health in Muslim women in particular, and you kindly mentioned about. You know, why is more in a woman. I think um, most of the issues and symptoms that lead mental health someone to, it's just because of someone's family issues, the way day-to-day lives in the family, mm-hmm. um, the stress in the family. It could be a, a ch- child not doing good at school, for example. Mm-hmm. But um, overall, really, the important issue that we have come across and um, into the research, but also mm-hmm. with the current ongoing work that we have, is most women in particular uh, present the issues due to their domestic issues. It could be relationship issues, it could be divorce, it could be not just that because someone's lonely and Walid Khalid re- referred earlier about you know, women if they're lonely at uh, home, but mm-hmm. not, 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 nothing much to do. That also could lead to issues like this and nothing. Mm. Just adding on to your social um, and economically other pressure that leads to mental health. I think um, uh, more recent examples that we have of really uh, similar kind of an, um, well-being issues. But also even the GPs, when they refer, uh, sometimes um, they refer to us, but then we realize they don't understand why they're with us at the first point. Mm. Mm. Which brings back to what Waleesh was mentioning about, and that you mentioned, Zenith, about the mm-hmm. gender, uh, uh, understanding of mental health in particular, mm-hmm. which is really important. I think people don't understand you know, what is to be like mentally unwell, mm-hmm. well, ill, mm-hmm. but you know, being slightly unwell. Uh, that's really important to understand.
0: So my next question, sorry, is is um, before we move on, is what does it? But well, then, what does it feel like? I mean, do, have you heard? Do, do people describe what it feels like to to maybe have a mental health issue? I know they it must be different in each, but what what does it feel like to have to be suffering from a mental health condition?
2: I suppose it's very difficult to answer that in a in, in a very authentic manner. To mm-hmm. if if it becomes anything becomes real to you if you have a personal experience, and the kind of insights that you gain. But I suppose, you know, uh, speaking to patients, young people, carers, families, you know, one sense, you know, you have sometimes, you know, people are helpless and hopeless and they, mm-hmm. they feel as if there's no one to listen to them some people feel trapped maybe uh, and 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 this is sort of subjective experiences and mm-hmm. some of it is uh, mediated by their own problems and mm-hmm. their own kind of uh, you know the nature of the disorders and someone who's yeah. depressed is likely to see uh, many things quite negatively and, and and pessimistically and so may regard you know some help that for 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 an outsider that help is there but they they see that quite negatively okay. so the over overarching I, I would say a feeling is about uh, hopelessness and helplessness and, and being trapped okay. and, and being not understood and being uh i mean we, we, we probably going to deal with stigma but stigmatized as a result uh, mm-hmm. as a major issue for seeking help even mm. no
0: I, I absolutely agree and um
1: yeah Can you perhaps elaborate on that a little bit further because uh, you've been doing some research into this and uh, what issues do we have on a societal level in regards to understanding mental health?
4: Uh, I think when we look at the societal factors, we have both what Shabir was referring to, sort of these more social factors, so social determinants. We're looking at the fact of um, employment, education, the fact that Walid was saying this aspect of stigma. So so if you go to your GP and you describe the symptoms that you're having, now Mm -hmm. do we feel that the GP is going to understand the background? Do they understand the language that we're using? So if you're saying that you're feeling um, oftentimes that there's a perception that um, what – it's, it's a term called somatization, so we'll describe things in terms of aches and pains and yeah. feeling well and headaches. Now, is a GP mm-hmm. going to pick that up, or is they going to say, you know, you're just, uh, this is just minor and not worrying about it? So maybe because we don't necessarily talk about mental illness in our communities, we describe it in language that's familiar to us. So let's talk about like headaches and back pains and things like that. Uh, If you're talking about um, some of the social factors that Waleed was talking about, so identity and Islamophobia, that's exactly the sort of research that I'm looking at right now. So Mm -hmm. looking, what impact does this have on our own mental Mm. health and well-being on the community? So if we're being discriminated and if we're feeling disenfranchised, if we're not getting educational opportunities, employment opportunities, what impact does that have on our own sense of self and identity and, theref- and self-esteem and et cetera. I see.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, that takes back to really it's about personal circumstances, which is really important. Yeah. We can see how you describe someone has mental health. It depends on the circumstances the person comes from. So if you have someone who on asylum seekers situation here, mm. and I think we just have a recently case. The two cases I can explain. One, you can see the person we just wrote a letter today about to the lawyer, you know, what things are. That he has trust he's kind of completely can't sleep at the times he, he has nightmares he thinks he's been attacked he's mm-hmm. been knifed he can't sleep at all he can't eat at all now on the other side there's one other who's a polish individual which comes wouldn't be me anyway. i'm just trying to explain the circumstances in it now he okay. seems to have completely mistrust within the system mm-hmm. he doesn't trust his gp mm-hmm. now his gp is for a particular ethnic background he think because of that he's been Uh, mistrusted or not looked after very well that's his circumstances you're talking about people's perception of how how things are that leads to your mental health issues and the situation you're talking about Mm -hmm. and coming back to the stigma um, and the gender issue that's really things about see for example um, often in South Asian community there's the word called Pagal for example Mm. now if you think someone's Pagal that's a really really strong word
0: Mm, that's true, and that could
3: lead to stigmatizing. So, if I have a mental health issues, I could, I could see a psychiatrist or a psychotherapist, mm-hmm. and someone who's my friend or relative hears about, oh, he's a puggle, he's going to psychiatry now.
4: Yeah, and
3: that puts me off. Yep,
4: um, and that's yeah, what
3: the these are the things which leads to stigmatization. And the question really, how ourselves as professionals and communities, are how we make sure that mental health is a normal situation. Anyone yeah. can, we all have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one in four uh, individual in scholarly lives in mental in health issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, we all have it. Mm-hmm. It depends on what level of mental health you have. it. Now, mm-hmm. I have at some point have depression at times. So mm-hmm. I could be seeing a, 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 psych, a psychologist, for example. Mm-hmm. Now, I may not be a psychiatrist. Uh, depends how extreme the situation is. Now, you've got lots of students, for example, going through rough times to the universities. And yeah. They often seek counseling. Mm-hmm. Now, They are seeking mental health counseling. Mm-hmm. Now, would, would that be a real puzzle? So mm. that's the perception we have to change in order to, you know, reduce the stigma really among communities.
0: So that's a message to the wider community is, you know, if people if you think someone has, yeah, I men yeah. then it's completely, it's just they're, they're dealing with something at the yeah. moment and, uh, you know, everyone, a lot of people are subject to that. Absolutely. So be accepting to it and just be open to it, yeah. I suppose.
4: Yeah. I think it's also that we have to remember that these issues of stigma isn't necessarily particular to our communities. They're Absolutely. seen across the board. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you look at the Scottish Social Attitude Survey, some of this say in the same in and those surveys, we see the same thing. So if you say, mm-hmm. for example, if your relative has got uh, depression or anxiety or psychosis, would you want them to marry into your family? Now you'll see the same sort of um, respondents uh, who say no, and that's going to be very similar in mm-hmm. amongst mm-hmm. the Asian community and to a ethnic Scottish white Scottish community. They're going to have the same. Race. So it's important to recognize that, um, yes, that there are particularities with our communities and the way that we experience these Mm. issues. But some of these, when we talk about the wider context, are seen amongst the wider population as well.
3: And there's also about, you know, if you are having insurance, for example, if you tick the box saying I had mental health, uh, that leads to. So I think there are various factors which people tend to. think, you know, um, oh, I'm, to, I'm not going to tell I had a depression, mental health. Mm-hmm. So as Karim mentioned, that's really important equally to understand. So it's not just us. There's lots of positive things in us, for example. We've got lots of family support. Sometimes it works in a positive way. Uh, it could have a counter other side of the coin as well. That uh, mm-hmm. may not, because too much into it, into you, could lead to other stress. But yeah. equally, we've got lots of positive things yeah. among our communities as well. Yeah,
0: we do.
1: The, yeah, so, you know, with regards to mental health, I guess, I um, guess, believe you mentioned earlier prior to the show that there's different grades and different uh, severities of mental health as well. You mentioned that there was mild to moderate um, we discussed Shabir as well. Um, w- at what point is the appropriate time to seek help? Yeah or somebody that is you know suffering, but perhaps they don't necessarily consider it to be that severe in their own perception. Do you know wh- mm-hmm. how do we tell?
2: it is quite difficult sometimes and you know you often see or hear people saying something creeping up onto you and you're not realizing actually and and, and that kind of cliche that you're the last one to know sometimes that you're suffering mm. from something and it's usually the kind of subtle differences that people notice in your behavior your your performance your work performance or okay. just generally your attitude your irritability if you're getting angry quite quickly and that kind of thing. So it's a, people who know you, so family and friends who know you, and it's important to, to start off to have a good network of people yeah. that are around mm-hmm. you. And I suppose um, in terms of, you know, everyone's allowed to be sad and it's quite natural and it's quite normal to feel sad and anxious and stressed. And sometimes these can be motivators to change, uh, you know, if, you, if you're really stressed and something and it drives you to do something uh, and deliver a good presentation, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're all okay with that. and I think when when issues become problematic is when it becomes persistent and more chronic and i suppose when it starts to affect your functioning uh, when yeah. you, you know when your your work is affected or your your relationships affected and that's when you know you need to seek help and i suppose and it's help could be anything I and mean, it could be in a form of um you know first of all speaking to people and and sometimes you know mild forms of even you know illnesses can be you know sometimes self-limiting and 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 it can be helped with, you know, lots of other kind of therapies that don't necessarily mean that you need to go into hospital or to even GP but if you're struggling and if you are feeling in doubt and if you think things are not right then going to your gp is always a good idea uh, and 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 that's when you know when you're when you when you realizing your functioning is affected mm-hmm. uh, and 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 GPs are you know well trained to kind of have sort of primary care involved in in most mental health problems and only if things are more severe where you you know your depression or your illness is so severe that you know you have other kind of complications mm-hmm. you start mm-hmm. to lose touch with reality or in fact you are you know putting yourself at risk in any ways uh, that's when you probably need to seek uh, kind of uh, secondary care and be in hospital and things like that okay. uh, but i think you know th- there is that spectrum and it's very hard yeah. to delineate uh, and and some people uh, sometimes do land up in trouble because it, it, it is that spectrum that creeps up onto you quite quickly, quick, very mm-hmm. slowly. And yeah, and yeah.
0: Um, Just wanted to ask, because obviously you've worked with youth, so maybe there's something interesting in there for for parents or mm-hmm. for... Um, yeah. I, I just, I'm just i just going to ask it straight out. Okay. If, your chi- if you find that your child, I mean, what are the signs for your child having a mental health issue, for example? And, and what if you've seen them self-harming or, or something like that? What yeah. As a parent, or where do you go and what do you do?
2: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Great question. And I think that's probably going through some of our um, listeners' minds in terms of our parents. And, and I think the important thing is to... You know, as a parent, you can just be a good parent, you know, just look out and and, and be interested in your child in the first place. So in a way that, you know, you're interested in their work and what they're doing and having that conversation and communication going all the time, that should be the norm. With that norm, you then are able to then pick up you know changes in behavior aloofness being at home and but being in the room and and not 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 speaking to people, perhaps school performance is affected. Uh, perhaps maybe you see signs of tearfulness or just generally changing their Mm -hmm. in the personality now many parents might see that and say well that's normal teenage behaviors you know (laughs) you know in terms of and 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 that might be quite hard to then uh, see give them the space and be allow them to just you know be teenagers Mm -hmm. then to but I I, I suppose it's always important to keep communicating and being involved and and if they If your child has then has that trust in you, has that communication going on, you they will be able to communicate something to you that might say, "Listen, I'm struggling," or uh, "These are these issues," Uh, and then then what. I suppose the response to the parent would be then to react to that in a very nurturing, understanding, and non-judgmental way. That's very yeah. common in young people. They keep saying that the best responses they would have is that the parent, without passing any judgment, whether it's self-harm, mm-hmm. and self-harm can evoke lots of emotions and feelings in, in, in parents and feeling that like, oh, have I done something wrong to, mm-hmm. to, you know, my child is self-harming. But self-harming is an expression of distress, and some people may express their distress self harming, mm-hmm. and it's not to do anything about you. You could be a perfect parent, looking after your child, but there's something that's happening about your child, and and that's when that happens. Perhaps the best way is to say, you know, that I'm here to listen to, you know, what if you if you want to talk to me, let's talk about this and let's get you help, mm-hmm. uh, getting professional help, maybe the GP in the first instance, and someone neutral, someone professional, being able to help the self harming, but you're doing the nurturing, mm-hmm. and you're, you're you're being you're doing that uh, listening bit when when mm-hmm. when you child needs to talk to you I suppose those would be the starting off and and I think when self-harm becomes quite severe and things like that again that spectrum we talked about earlier Mm -hmm. you know going to secondary care outpatients and and, and if need be for their own safety you you know they might need to get admitted to hospital Um, but I think you know um, you know starting off with children children are think they're more sophisticated sometimes but they are sophisticated in many ways but I suppose they don't develop the emotional vocabulary and and sometimes as 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 an advice I would say to parents to start talking about feelings you know right early you know how does that make you feel and you know what's that oh you you seem very upset you seem very angry Mm -hmm. and so when when children are more comfortable talking about feelings, it, it is not, you know, that the sti- destigmatization process, if you may, you know, okay. begins very early and it's quite natural, to talk about these kind of things, and, and then you'll be there right on to pick up things if things go wrong.
0: Mm. Yeah. That's very, yeah. brilliant. very practical very advice. Right? Yeah, also being
3: practical. friend, really,
0: mm-hmm. um,
3: to the children, that's really important. Otherwise, in the trust is more, is really, really important. Yes. If you don't trust your children, and mm-hmm. the t- children don't have trust in your parents, that is going to go... Yeah, uh, that's mm-hmm. really thing. I think just giving you a case study of a situation, we had a a young boy. Mm-hmm. He must be about sixteen years old. a Mother um, who brought the child, a young boy, um, to the counselling. Now mm-hmm. uh, This comes to other issue where we are over over-emphasized. We don't leave them individual the choice. Mm-hmm. So even when the the boy has been seen by a counsellor to an initial assessment, the mother would like to be with the, ch- the boy. And she would like to talk instead of the boy. You can see that's where the problem comes um, in. Yeah. So you're, even at that stage, you're not leaving your boy alone who's 16 yeah. years old to talk. Now this boy hasn't been able to go to school for five, six, seven years because of all the issues that we're here facing. Yeah. So really about you know how much balance you have within, with your, with your parent, and, as a parent and with your child. Really. Yeah. I guess it's
1: also not trusting the system to a degree as well. You know, there's this kind of...
3: I think, yeah, system... I think it's just a broad, really, idea of you know, how we trust the system. Mm. When you talk about the system as a whole, obviously uh, we must all understand mm-hmm. that we are citizens of this country, uh, yep. as a Scottish. Yes. So all, everything is in the system is for all of us. Yeah. It's up to us as an individual to take it and move forward. So really we have to take the positive attitudes towards it. Now in the process you will have barriers, you yep. will have discrimination you may face, but that's not about the system, it's about individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, and how you overcome that and take it forward really. So the positive attitude is very important in order to overcome the system. If I'm going to say, oh, oh I've, I've been there, he's a well, you know, they don't understand me, culturally we're different, I'm not going to go there, where else could you go?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. So you have to overcome that, talk to the right people, right professors, right mm-hmm. individuals. So we have to fix the system ourselves, and yep. nobody's going
0: to fix for us. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's really greatest thing. Mm-hmm. Sorry about um, so, Brother Shabir, could you just tell us about what the, what's available out there in terms of the services you offer?
3: Yeah, I think it's really important, as I mentioned earlier and as my colleagues were mentioning as well, um, we've got a system in place. There are NHS services available um, in every area wherever you're mm-hmm. living. However, um, as an organisation, uh, we have a mental health counselling service available, being provided by professional um, psychotherapy Uh, Mm -hmm. Counseling that we provide both CBT and person-centered. And often we mix together because...
1: Can you define what CBT is? Because some of our listeners may not know. It's
3: cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, which is kind of a mental health um, system. But what's really important here is that when somebody goes into psychotherapy, like counseling in Mm -hmm. NHS, um, you're normally limited to six sessions.
1: Okay.
3: That's that's what they provide. Six uh, six sessions of um, counseling. Now, often in many of the South Asian or Muslim communities that mm-hmm. we deal with, um, it takes a while for most of them to even get to a stage where they understand what there was happening. Yeah. Because the understanding of counselling is really, really limited. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what we have is we could culturally competent counselling, so mm-hmm. um, any individual who want, who think, you know, she's slightly isolated or depressed or anxiety or have a different, whatever, just on help, um, they can just go online on www.reachhealth.org.uk. Okay. You can just build a simple online form. You can refer, you can tell the GPs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have, for example, a number of GP surgeries in Glasgow, like uh, Regency GP practice, mm-hmm. where our counselors are going there, I think every Thursday okay. uh, morning. Okay. And uh, again, at Bank Street surgery, our counselors go there as well. Okay. Uh, and again, if you're living in Lanarkshire, you've got North Lanarkshire, South Lanarkshire. Again, we have uh, Code Bridge. We have GP surgeries as well. But the GP Surge is not important. Really. We can get help um, anyone from anywhere. Mm-hmm. It doesn't you, you don't necessarily have to live in Glasgow, sure or East Dubara or East Fisher.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, we can but also um, our counselors can speak Urdu, Hindi. Okay. Yeah, Punjabi, so you don't have to worry about the language issue, which is another barrier which often many of our clients yeah. face. So, mm-hmm. if you go into NHS most of the time, what you have is you have a telephone there, mm-hmm. you press the button, someone, third person, comes online from somewhere. So, you've three way conversation happening with yeah. the one to one counseling, mm-hmm. which often is not easy, especially if you have acute situations. If mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. mild, it's fine. Um, so, that's something we do one to one. Uh, but again, apart from South Asian, like if you have Polish, Arabic and all, we do have a language, but that's, we use the third person there okay. as well. But For South Asian, we definitely can provide a uh, counselling in any language. So people can come to reach, uh, they can be, you can be North on a share, it can be South on share, Eastern, modern share, mm-hmm. all these places, we have our own places where you can come and seek counselling. Fantastic. Okay, that's great. More than welcome.
1: We have with us Walid, a clinical psychiatrist, and Kareem, a PhD student who is studying mental health and well-being in Scottish Muslims. Zina, who is co-hosting with me, uh, you had a question for Walid.
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask you, I mean, a lot of people probably don't realise that uh, traumatic experiences or something uh, that you go through when you're quite a young child might manifest later in life, so... I mean, could you tell us more about that? That it's is, it, is that possible, and how does it happen?
2: Yeah. So again, a great question. Um, so I think it's uh, important to first of all allay people's anxiety that we all go through traumatic experiences. Mm-hmm. Some of them uh, more or less severe than others, and some people can go through a severe traumatic experience, a traumatic experience, and then get on with life with no problems. I think the research suggests with more kind of, um, you know, kind of chronicity, more frequent chronic uh, kind of traumatic experience experiences and, and especially when um, younger children are exposed to that mm-hmm. uh, leads to difficulties in later life. So sudden disorders like depression, anxiety, even personality disorders are linked with uh, you know, past trauma, especially the personality disorders. Uh, and I mean, we're talking about very severe trauma like uh, physical abuse, sexual abuse. Uh, okay. And these kind of uh, kind of quite uh, uh, traumatic events, um, and, and and these things, uh, these events can lead to changes. Now we, you know, ch- children are literally born. When baby is born, they're born with half a brain. The mm-hmm. other half is really developing through experiences of our pe- mm-hmm. experience with people, with events, what in life and world generally. And so, uh, you know, it'll be. Uh, you know, uh, it would be foolish to kind of ignore what's happening around an individual uh, uh, because these things do affect our minds. So children who I see and I, I, I must say that I work in an in, inpatient in setting and so mm-hmm. it's kind of quite an extreme end of the spectrum yeah. you know alhamdulillah you know most uh, people young people and adults don't uh, have a severe, as severe as an illness that they have to be hospitalised but you know but some do some do have to be hospitalised and and often we see in, in y- young people who are hospitalised and who have issues with depression personality mm-hmm. uh, emerging personality problems uh, as a, some sort of trauma has 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 occurred in their life mm-hmm. in the, in the p- past. Okay. Wow. um So mm-hmm. so I think it's important to kind of uh, you know kind of highlight that uh, you know again that you know a little bit of uh, shouting or whatever yeah, and people yeah, can shouldn't be kind of feeling guilty yeah, that yeah, they yeah, yeah, somehow yeah. traumatise their children. But, mm-hmm. but I, so what mm-hmm. I'm talking about is kind of severe and called repetitive trauma.
0: Okay. okay. So it's got to be quite severe.
2: What we should probably be thinking more about, I suppose majority of people would be, is that you know, societal kind of uh, things like you know, parental separation, mm-hmm. uh, violence in the family, you know, alcoholism in the family, and, and parents, um, you know, harsh kind of severe parenting. These kind of things can lead to later on problems in in, in, okay. in youth and in young people. And 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 I think you know where social services come into play and kind of having an overview on the safety of the child and and, and helping families. You know, because often it's not a fault of one individual or another it's just mm-hmm. you know there's a social circumstances created where unfortunately the family is going through lots of stresses could be unemployment as karim pointed out or there's alcoholism or there's violence in the family or terror mm-hmm. And children are exposed to these and 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 repeatedly i think then children do get affected and they present to you know with, with, with emotional problems okay. uh and i think uh, those are the sort of things that are probably more prevalent in society i mean uh, thankfully mm-hmm kind of issue of sexual abuse or kind of severe physical abuse is, 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 is smaller. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think more prevalent would be these kind of other factors and socially and in the family that can mm-hmm. affect potentially uh, a, a young person.
0: Yep, so just to reiterate that if you have been something, if that's something like that has happened in your family, then just to be aware that chil- children are affected by that, you know, just because they're children, it doesn't mean that they're not oh, absolutely. You yeah. know, picking up on these things that are going on. Mm. Okay, that's that's really useful.
1: So, Kareem, you've been doing research on mental health and Muslims in Scotland. Could you tell us a little bit about your research?
4: I think in, interesting, like what Waleed has been saying, is that there are um, different aspects of mental health conditions to depend on your age group. So if you're looking at children for example, maybe they'd be facing acculturation issues. So what does that happen in terms of integrating with their peers and self-esteem etc. Now the older ages you're dealing with dementia um, and so how do we cater to this disparate uh, spectrum of mental health Mm. conditions in our communities? And once we bring in issues of um, sexual abuse or domestic abuse and all these things and oftentimes we're finding that there can be tensions within the community because Disease. Not only do we not talk about mental health, we don't talk about abuse as well. So how do we? Um, so then, s- if someone is experiencing depression because she's being abused at home, and then what impact does that have on their family? Where is she going to go? Can mm-hmm. she speak to the imam or can she speak to the GP? What's going to? Ha- uh, yeah, what's going to happen to her? For example, is social care going to get involved? What's uh, going to happen to her children? So. Uh, um, I, th- I find it striking that there are a lot of um, agencies which cater to these yeah. issues in our community. So, if we say these issues don't exist in our community, why do we have so many of these third sector mm-hmm. charities? So, mm-hmm. I, th- I would like—I think—that's an important question to ask because their existence um, says that there is uh, something, something that going on, yeah. going on indeed. And I think that. Um, Oftentimes there can be a tension which suggests that, okay, is it that the uh, massages are not listening to us or they don't want to engage or they don't want to talk about these issues? Or if they do, how do they manage it? Because on the external aspect, we have this rampant Islamophobia. So I think… Well, on one aspect, you can kind of understand the perspective of the um, leaders and the massages for saying that, okay, if we have these issues in our community, then it's going to be labeled a Muslim problem. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, so that could be one of the uh, reasons that the reticence of acknowledging it, because then it says, oh, look at these Muslims, it fits into the greater narrative of Muslims, this, that, and the other. Uh, okay. On the second hand, by not... Um, discussing these problems, then people who need these levels of support aren 't getting it, and so yeah. then they then they go and turn to feelings of are these agencies which cater to su- to supporting women are these seen as uh, marriage breakup services essentially and so there's there 's a tension that goes on, and I think that um, if you look at these issues, these are many social issues which they're uh, by impact the mental health of people
0: mm-hmm. okay. And so you were talking about masjids there. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's there's a space in Glasgow Central Mosque currently mm. that accommodates for uh, mental health, but mm. was there something in Edinburgh? Um,
4: what I've seen so far is actually on the Glasgow Central uh, Mosque's website, yeah. the mm-hmm. imam has actually written, uh, has a write-up on Quran and well-being and, and depression. And
0: actually, I think I came across yeah, that. So I think little, it, yeah, yeah, I think it's that, was quite that, that is very useful yeah. indeed.
4: And um, on the other hand, we see... Um, other mosques who may not be receptive. So, so it's through the course of my research, I found, for example, the common narrative: "Oh, these issues don't exist in our community." Okay. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. But they do exist in our community. So, ha- so why is it that the, on the one hand that um, there, there's a reluctance to acknowledge? Is it, maybe that yeah.
1: something to take on board. Or like, uh, is there a reluctance to contact an imam or uh, somebody in the mas- masajid to help? Maybe there's almost this idea of what they will think.
4: Yeah, I think b- people are, can be worried as to uh, what happens, but oftentimes it's important to recognize that because of what Shabir has alluded to earlier, that people may be afraid of accessing NHS because they feel that they're not going to understand them. So mm-hmm. the first port of call may be going, rather than the GP, it's maybe going to the imams, the mosque. Mm. But if okay. the imams are saying that mm-hmm. we don't
2: face these issues, um, yeah. Sorry, I was just going <laughs> to say that uh, a few years ago, I did uh, I did a talk uh, in in London uh, for an organization called Minab, and and they did a talk with uh, Mind, uh, the local Mind organization there. And it was a conference about uh, Im- uh, you know kind of imams and mental health professionals getting together, and mental health professionals getting together to know more about Islam and Islamic mm-hmm. perspective of, Islam, uh, of mental health and what should culturally they should be knowing to to kind of deal with a Muslim patient. Yeah. But imams were there to know about mental health and how to deal with that yeah. that woman you're talking about going to the imam and talking about something and presenting maybe in a crisis and to, to kind of have the skills. And I think really imams are you know I, I suppose you know if. For all of us, if you don't have mastery in something, if you're nervous about something, we're gonna mm-hmm. try and avoid it, and it's just kind of mm-hmm. fear of things. And probably, you know, we we don't probably look after our imams that much. Kind of give them the training, give them the leadership skills, and give mm-hmm. you know, to nurture them to be the frontline people, you know, who may be Absolutely. there dealing with picking up those kind of early phases of mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. That, uh, that you know, if they were given the training, they would be more able to and more willing to uh, be there and 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 support uh, our community. Right.
4: Yeah, and I agree with. That really be uh, because um, I've seen in um, in East London, the um, Barts in the London School of Medicine and Dentistry, they have a cultural consultation group in which they physically engage with the local community there in Tower Hamlets and trying to engage with okay, looking at the imams and getting them on board and having a dialogue open, and I think that's been very successful down mm-hmm. there, and that's something yeah. that. Um, possibly could be implemented here. Now, if you ask wh- who, uh, who should take that first step, then yes, that, that's, that's not the question. Who, is it the NHS's responsibility? Is it our responsibility? But I think um, if we look at examples that are being done, probably down south, then we can see that there are things that are working and what can we adapt it mm-hmm. to, to yep. here and north of the And border. I think
0: another reason why people might feel more comfortable speaking to, to an imam before their GP, I mean, if, I don't know, I've read somewhere that, uh, you know, if your GP is sort of um, the same ethnicity as you, a lot of people are less likely to just in case it gets out. Whereas with an imam you have that instant trust that he's not going to tell anyone but with the GP you might think oh he knows a lot of people and and it might get let out as if you know it's some but of course people need to understand that GPs hold your confidentiality so they're very unlikely to to do that. Um, Okay so uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, prevention. Um, I know you touched on it earlier but are there actually ways to prevent uh, a mental health issue?
2: Yeah, so in terms of prevention, I think, uh, you know, like any kind of prevention things, it's just kind of the spectrum of the normality really. So it's just looking after your health uh, in terms of your physical health, you know, just Mm. keeping fit. Uh, There's a lot of research linking physical health with mental health. If you're physically more, you know, healthy and eating well, your diet, again, very little attention is given to diet and even in medical education as a more focus these days. But, you know, when when we were training, it was very little attention to diet and there's lots yeah. of re- new research about how diet can make you feel good and things like that, so a particular diet that you you follow. You and we have got that, that, that
1: kind of, of problem in terms of the South Asian community particularly yes. with, with diet and yes. diabetes yeah. and a,
2: There's a big
4: um, correlation between the diabetes and depression. and I, know, oh, okay. quite, yeah. I
0: found that quite interesting yeah. you're telling me that actually and I found that quite fascinating. But I'm sure uh, I, mean, can, I mean,
1: can, can kind of confirm <laughs> There's at, at this point, the holistic solution that we're Trying to look for—it's yes. not just yes. one thing, is it? Yes. It's not no, just one have.
2: thing, and I think mm-hmm. the practical kind of tips would be, you know, it's always good to have structure to your day and your week. You know, get mm. th- something that you're looking forward to doing, and engaging in activities regularly that you enjoy doing and that mm-hmm. you are good at. So you have a sense of achievement, a sense of mastery over so, and and things that you enjoy doing. Okay. Um, relationships, again, you know, looking after your relationships. And a relationship is like—it's like a creature, really. It's 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 a creature between. Two people, and that creature needs to be looked after. You know, yes, uh, yes. whether you're a spouse or a brother or a sister, you know, it, it is that investment in time and what you do, and, and looking after your relationships. And and again, because if you d- don't invest that time, with your children, that relationship can be cause of stress. Again, so just looking after preventative measures, uh, also having network of friends and and, and uh, having a social inclusion, you know, a sense of society and and, and social inclusion is, is a protective factor. Again, uh,
0: and um, just by that, obviously, we don't mean social media because no, that's yes. obviously so, taken yes. away from.
2: Yeah, yeah no. there's
0: more, just, just so much research done on how it's linked to anxiety and depression. Yeah.
2: So, so yeah, and those are sort of things, exactly. I mean, those are sort of things that to avoid perhaps and not do more of. So, so social yeah. media would be something like, uh, for young people especially, I think young people's minds, I believe this is a personal opinion, that their minds, I mean, these days are, are radically different from perhaps young people who are yep. 100 years earlier because of the instant. Uh, ability to respond to things, multitasking, but there's also that constant pressure of of uh, being somebody that is virtual and and maybe not true yes. to who you are really mm-hmm. keeping up with the appearances. Uh the other thing about social media is that the bullying that happens and we didn't talk about bullying, but bullying is again a yes, major of course. issue. And the bullying uh, that happens in the playground then shifts to the social media it's twenty four seven and it has a major impact on people's but mm-hmm. but I think managing your life, managing yourself, uh, and preventing—I suppose—circumstances where your stress stress levels increase chronically, and, and stress is perhaps maybe not really a mental disorder, but it's a precursor, perhaps a trigger, perhaps mm-hmm. to uh, people who maybe are especially vulnerable, who already have maybe a genetic. Uh, kind of predisposition to have anxiety or depression uh, but stress can be a trigger for a uh, mental health problem so so all these kind of things I just mentioned hopefully will you know keep you keep you grounded keep you happy mm-hmm. and and just enjoying life as as this. and then what I didn't mention is really the focus of today about islam and mental health yes, is exactly is, is, is dua and and prayers and mm-hmm. i think you know what du'a, prayers and 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 just engage engaging with the religion provides you as a sense of structure again a sense of community uh, a sense of routine as hope, well, uh, hope, hope, yeah, hope, you know, uh, kind of Islamic of concepts, and, and I, I think uh, will be important. I don't know if you're going to discuss about where we go from here, but I think uh, I mean, Kareem's I mean, yeah, kind of aspect of
4: faith is uh, quite important because it's a concept of resilience, and I think that uh, when one goes through a particular mental health uh, problem, then lo- we look at what can the individual do in terms of coping. So oftentimes, for people of a fa- particular faith background, their faith becomes the ways that they cope mm-hmm. so they'll yeah. say let, let me pray more or let me use a social support network which is inherent in the faith community yeah. yes. use, to use those in terms of coping or looking at personal aspects of faith so taking doing more Zikr for example can help mm-hmm. someone in terms of mm-hmm. providing that routine and structure and even the prayers the, the five times a day yeah, that provides again, a routine well. and that structure and helps mm-hmm. people to know, go know, through know, yeah.
0: yeah, and actually um, Leeds it's working the, the faith based the Muslim CBT at Leeds University has yeah. had a lot of positive yeah. Yeah. results so for example i mean i had a friend that um that's interested in cbt and she was telling me that just to give our listeners an example that maybe if you if you think uh, someone's you know ignoring you or something that might that that triggers a very negative thought pattern mm-hmm. which leads on to uh, other negative stuff like uh, physiology and your mm-hmm. actions and things like that trigger go on from there so even that you know c- uh, cbt is very islamic in that mm-hmm. you change that initial thought to mm-hmm actually something's just going on with them, you know, and, and, I, and I wish, you know, I, could, I hope I could help them. And that changes that negative thought to, you know, to something. And everything from there is a little bit more positive. So, and I thought at the time as well, that it is quite an Islamic way to look at things, you know, yeah. looking, you know, giving people the benefit of the doubt or looking at things in a more positive light. You know, but of course, I'm not saying that that can fix everything. There are some, a lot of cases, which, you know, will, you'll agree that you have to seek help from other kinds of help or medicated help.
2: No, I was was nodding my head because CBT, actually Muslims should own mental health treatments. I mean, we have a rich tradition yes. of mental health treatments, uh, you know, uh, CBT con- concepts have been described in, in the ninth century, uh, oh. where, where, where Muslim uh, kind of, uh, you know, th- those days there were scholars, there were scholars in, you know, three or four subjects in Incl- psychiatry just happens to be one of them kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and
2: so uh, we have a rich tradition and, and we should be owning that. And it's not alien. And, and, and people should, you know, not think that this is not within our culture or within our tradition. Uh, seeking help seeking counsel seeking uh, nasiha and all all these kind of things are you know a way of you know sharing your problem and sharing and, and talking about your problems and counseling and, and and CBT concepts have been described even then uh, and, and and you're right and those kind of concepts I, I, I hadn't thought about that when you mentioned but you know when you mentioned that is and these are really good Islamic uh, etiquette mm-hmm. and, and, and yeah. giving 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 this kind of you know other perspective don't just think of it from your perspective but think of an other person's perspective mm-hmm. yeah. just it's Islamic, I not yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's very, I guess, rooted in history. The way
4: that um, Muslim physicians back in the 11th, 12th century, you had the Bimaristans and the hospitals there, and we were looking at patient care and how do you treat people holistically, and mm-hmm. talking about like aromatherapy, music therapy, it, ways of looking at person as an individual. So if we look at now, when we often stigmatize people mm-hmm. and have a mental health condition, but what were Muslim physicians doing about a thousand years ago? So there's a very much rooted within mm-hmm. our faith and in our ethos. Yeah.
0: Uh, what other ways, other than med- sort of medicated help, are there any other things that you have found in your experience that have really helped people with recovery?
2: I think, you know, I, I deal, I, know, I, I, I work with various people from various backgrounds, yeah. you know, faith and non-faith, and some people are not decided, and, and they all have uh, what is called a, a spiritual way of dealing with things. And mm-hmm. and people with no faith can be spiritual in their own ways, but, you know, we are lucky as Muslims that we have, a, a, you know, a, a strong and formalized spiritual uh, tradition, and, mm-hmm. and I think, uh, you know, understanding of life experiences, reflection uh, and, and reflection on things and reflection of your experience in the context of the whole world and, and history and and, and, and and thinking about what the Prophet Sallallahu experienced and, and he experienced through distress and anxiety mm-hmm. and grief and bereavement yeah. in seeking that kind of... Uh, relationship and and, and identifying yourself and and, and seeking uh, the Qur'an. The Qur'an is something that enlightens your heart and and gives relief and and I think these kind of experiences you know are very readily available for a Muslim. And what about
0: things like you know maybe um, some other holistic approaches like have you heard hijama or yoga or...
2: You're talking about hijama
4: and all that sort of stuff as well. I mean I can't comment because I'm not someone that practices that sort of stuff but I would say if it people if you're seeing as a complementary aspect of it then um, then do it but also don't stop going down the biomedical route and I think it's important to realize that these things can work in tandem because in in islamically and historically we've used these tools Mm -hmm. that we have at our uh, disposal we've we've used whatever it is to a cure and I think there's a saying that there's no disease that exists that Allah doesn't have a cure for so that's S-ha'n-la. important yeah. to uh, remember nice. as well yeah. but what you're
1: saying is is not to th- see these services as alien mm. to our faith you know they're very much something that we encourage mm-hmm. yeah, so we I have to,
0: yeah. To, yeah so we have to access these services basically yeah um so yeah
2: so I, th- I think I mean the worst case you know I was doing forensic psychiatry training down south uh you know I had a, a horrible story that ended up The person being in a in a secure setting is that they delayed and delayed the treatment for this young man who was going through an awful lot of symptoms and believing in things that were not true and and i think you know delaying access is always a bad thing and i think you know I, I fully agree with Kareem in, in a way that complementary is the way to go. So if you you know have your treatment, but whatever helps, you know if you're if you're not a spiritual person, it's, you know if spirituality helps you, then that's fine. If you're into you know aromatherapy and things like that, I mean I, I personally may not be able to respond well to aromatherapy, and you know, I might I might have an aversion. So it's about individual. Okay. It's, it's patient centred care, which is yes. in the mm-hmm. Scottish government agenda about our okay. oh, no, treatment to be st- uh, patient centred, and that's why. I suppose services catered to Muslims are being dis- is being mm-hmm. discussed because if a patient happens to be a Muslim, we need to have whatever that Muslim person—not because he's Muslim, but that that Muslim person, what his likes, what yes. her likes are, and what her dislikes are—and mm-hmm. cater the treatment accordingly.
0: So just to reiterate again, if someone, anyone thinks that they they or they know someone that's got a mental health issue, the first point of contact is the GP.
2: I, I think I think you know. In terms of mental health issue, uh, I think we're talking about if someone's you know. I think for a child, uh, you know, a parent would be the first person to contact yeah. in a way okay. that is so uh, uh, who you're closest to. Your okay. spouse, you know, uh, if you're lucky enough, then they should be the person who you want to speak to, yeah. share your problem. And I, I suppose if you, if you're not in that situation, then go to your GP okay. and, and discuss it, and then the GP will be able to advise you accordingly from where where you go from there.
0: Okay. Chandler. Is that Is there anything else that uh, you wanted to add? Yeah, I
4: just want to say that oftentimes that um, we often tend to construe that some of these issues are sort of heavily gendered, and I think it's important to recognize that that can affect everyone. So, okay. in the research I've <laughs> been finding, we're finding a lot of um, sort of men are often using these women's agency service because they're the only ones that exist and men don't like to talk about their mental health okay, so that's see. that's important yeah. as well so that it can affect men as well so we often tend to be like we'll go working at the shops and stay working late and that sort of stuff um, but then what happens do men not like to who do they talk to if they're experiencing um, a mental health yes. problem so it's important to recognize that just like it affects both men and yeah. women and mm-hmm. I would say use the resources that you have at your disposal, just like with Lisa, if it's talking to your spouse, if it's talking to your parent, if it's mm-hmm. talking to your GP. Absolutely. It's important just or to Or even
0: to something. something was set up, and if they got someone that's qualified in to say that there's a drop-in session, for example, where someone can come in and, you know, there's like a, a voluntary service, uh, maybe something like that would uh, would work for, because males would probably maybe prefer to speak to another male. Maybe that's a good idea. Yeah,
1: no. Well, maybe if you got any, <laughs> any health professionals listening... <laughs> You're yeah, into something I think uh, that's a good time to end the show. You've been listening to Skinner Society. I'd like to thank our guests for coming along. Mm-hmm.
4: For more information and to listen to more podcasts, visit us at ArcDocsCore or check out the Arc Media app.